All right, take your Bibles. We're going to do part two of our Psalm 37 message. Last week, we dug into the, the truth of God's word concerning the, the wicked and their coming destruction and uh, how they will soon be cut off and how because of this reality, we as the saints, uh, we should not live and worry and, and allow it to get under our skin when it seems that the, the wicked are thriving. And it seems like every other week we get more ammunition to fret over, right? When we see, uh, you know, child pedophilia coming out and, and, and large entities and companies promoting it. And it just seems like there is not lacking any reason for us to fret. But David, of course, uh, the, the author of this psalm, he's reminding us, he reminded us last week that the The wicked are here for a moment and then they are gone and you can't even find the, the, the remnants of them after a while and, and, uh, so we, we as the righteous, we stand the test of time. Those who are in Christ, we have a lasting legacy, we learned. We have a legacy that will outlive generations and God, He is kind to hundred generation of those who fear him, right? I was reading this morning in Proverbs 20, uh, uh, 14, and I want to encourage you, read a proverb a day to keep the devil away. <laughs> and uh, what I was reading, and it was it reminded me that uh, the righteous, you know, we will stand, but the, the, the wicked, once again, it was along the same lines of this psalm, the wicked will soon be destroyed. And, and um, I just want to just encourage us. It may not seem like we're winning. You may not be on your your hundred foot yacht today. You know, you may not seemingly have all the trappings of success that the world would promote. But I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you have a relationship with the Lord and and you and you are here tonight on a cold, chilly night and you made your way, some of you had to go on a detour to make it here. And and I just want to just remind you and encourage you that you have a legacy, you have uh, a promise from God that you will be blessed. And I truly believe in this life and even in the next, too. And what's waiting for us, I always say this, but what's waiting for us is so far greater than what we even can experience now. I was reminded of that. And um, let's remember that, but I'm going to pick it up where we left it off in the legacy of the righteous. And in verse 21b, the end of verse 21, it says, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. And I want to just unpack this for a moment. Those who are in Christ, those who know the Lord, we are givers, not just takers like the wicked. We give. We're generous. Uh, we, we are those who should lead when it comes to that of generosity. And as far as giving mercy, I want to ask you, when that waiter messes up your order, how do you treat them? I see it all the time. Christians on social media, you know, calling out, you know, corporations who dropped the ball and calling out people who, uh, you know, did something to, to, to harm them. And, and I, I truly believe that as a believer, there is a place for justice, and we're going to talk about that tonight. It's in the text, but 
I truly believe that we should be the leading people when it comes to showing grace and mercy and and forgiving people even when they wrong us and, and allowing God to settle the score ultimately, right? Who do you trust? Do you trust that God is going to, as He's promised, make all wrongs right? But honestly, most Christians today, we, we, we struggle in this area of showing mercy. And we are much like the world when it comes to try to get retribution. Uh, and I, we love to quote the Old Testament way, an eye for an eye, a two for a two. Well, what did Jesus say in the New Testament? And now, he said to love our enemies, to pray for those who, who, who hate us and despitefully use us and, and to, to show grace. What did Jesus do? How did he live out his life? He showed grace to people. And, and he was, of course, full of grace, the Bible says, and truth. You know, we don't, and that there's churches who get imbalanced in that, and it's all grace. And you, I remember, you know, in LA, I visited this mega church one, uh, one day, and it, and it was filled with young people, and I was very excited about that. You know, 20 somethings, you know, very hip, they all dressed to the T, and, you know, it was down in, in the, uh, uh, LA district area, and, and it was just, it was a popping crowd. There was a buzz in the building, and, and, um, when the service began, and, you can tell it was, you know, the kind of the cookie cutter, you know, seeker sensitive type of church model and the fact there was no pulpit. There was no, um, by the way, of the traditional kind of things you might see in a church, like a cross or things of that nature. However, you know, when the preacher got up, you know, he was very, very cool and very personable and he told uh, some great, you know, humor and, 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 but you never heard words like repentance and sin and you never heard things, you, uh, that, you know, would cause conviction. The message was very carefully crafted not to make anyone uncomfortable. And you've seen in the crowd, you see people that were clearly openly homosexual. You've seen people that were probably with their boyfriend that they were, you know, having, you know, for, I'm telling you, it was, it was very obvious that, you know, everyone, of course, could come. And I think that should be the case in any church. But let me tell you this, we can't just live on this side of grace and not speak the truth and love, too. There has to be a marriage there. There needs to be a balance there. Jesus spoke the truth and love. He, he, he was his hardest, of course, upon the religious group who rejected him, and, but he showed grace to those who were coming along, those who were on their journey, who were actually wanting to be around him. And, and I found this to be true, that I, I, I know there's more... Uh, you know, like I said, people who are in this category, who aren't religious, who are coming out of addiction or, or maybe, uh, live the street life, who, who have more of the Holy Spirit than a lot of religious folks that I know. And I just want to encourage us though, in this matter, in the very beginning, to be grace givers, to be, uh, generous with what God has given us as well. Are you a giver? And I'm not just talking about um, you know, your tithes and offerings. I'm talking truthfully about our time, our talent, and our treasure as well. Jesus is very clear that where our treasure is, there will our heart be. So it's important for us to, to be givers. And God has really been working on me about this. My, a friend of mine, a Christian friend of mine, I love him. He's like my big bro, Joffrey. He, we, uh, we had lunch uh, a few weeks back and he was telling me about his men's group. And how they, they meet like every quarter at a restaurant here locally. 
and they come prepared. They're, they bring a lot of cash with them that day. And uh, whoever their server is, they, they pour out a huge blessing on their server. And everywhere they go, um, you know, they bless the waiter or the waitress. And, and oftentimes those, those, those men and women are just in tears of the, the blessing, the gift that these men would give to them for their service. And, and they'd often want to know who they were, why they would do such things. And, and, and it's a great testimony for Christ. And I want to tell you guys this. When you go out to eat and, and the time comes for you to tip, be generous. Be extravagantly generous if you have the means to be. That's an open door. I mean, that's, a, that's an opportunity to, to, to make Jesus look good and, and to appoint people. And if you're not generous, don't tell them you're from Westside Christian Fellowship. Some of you I know who you are. <laughs> Don't have the bumper sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> the wicked are takers. The wicked consume. The wicked are all about me, myself, and I and getting ahead and hoarding for themselves. But that ought not be in the church. See, we are called to be givers. It says it there right in the verse, the righteous show mercy and gives. That's the legacy of a righteous man. I want you to see next um, the benefits of the righteous. Look at verse 20, 23. We, uh, verse 22, we, we talked about that briefly, how we will inherit the earth. The righteous, Jesus, of course, has promised us that we will uh, reign and rule with him. But I want you to see verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let's, let's stop there. One of the benefits of being in Christ, being a righteous man or woman, is that you will be guided by God. He will direct your path. It says, the, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, the word there, the original word, it, it, it meant a strong man, a conqueror, a hero. So what it's saying here is that the most powerful of men and women, they are still undergirded by the Lord. David was a mighty man in war, wasn't he not? He was brave, and I'm, preach, I'm, I'm praying this over my children, that they'd be brave, they'd be courageous. Now, courage isn't the absence of fear. Let me tell you, every time I step into this pulpit, I'm fearful. Every time, you know... God sometimes has us step outside of our comfort zones. Isn't it sometimes fearful when we have to step out on faith? I, I imagine that Peter was a little fearful when he stepped out of the boat, right? But, of course, as he kept his eyes on Christ, he was able to do what seemingly seems impossible for him to do, walk on water. But I want you to understand that even the most brave, even the most valiant in battle, even the most skilled and, and, and gifted by God, they are utterly, truthfully dependent upon God. Uh, he must order our steps in order for us to be successful at anything that will matter. And I want to just remind you of that. Hey, businessman, yeah, you, you may have had a great uh, fourth quarter or uh, you know, of the of the year, and and maybe God has blessed you. I just want to remind you. Hey, don't forget who blessed you. Don't forget the one who's guided you, who's given you the mind to make those deals and to and to be uh, wise when it comes 
comes to your, your stewardship. And I want to just encourage us tonight to not take any glory in anything that God does in our lives, but to deflect it to Him and say, God, I know it's because you've ordered my step. I know it's because you told me to get in this business deal. I know it's because you have given me breath to take the next step. I know it is all because of you, God. Can you look back on your life and see areas where God God directed you? I was thinking about it today. My wife, <laughs> she I think was a semester away from from graduating from the college she was going to in Ohio, and um, God put it on her heart to pack everything up and to come back to the to the AV. And I'm sure some people thought that she was being Foolish. Why, why get so close to the end and not finish? And, but she had already determined that she was going to obey God when he spoke to her. And I'll never forget that I saw her in the Walmart on the east side. And I'm like, my heart just, heart just leaped within me. I was a little guilty about that because at the time I was dating another girl. And I was like, what's going on here? I don't understand this. But here she is in front of me. And, and um, But long story short, <laughs> of course, God, I believe, was directing her to come back at the time that she did because I probably would have went forward with that relationship. And, 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 and no doubt I know now that it was God's grace on her to bring her back, not to get a a bachelor's degree, but she, I tell her this, I joke with her, I said, you got your MRS. You got your missus. You, you got a husband and now five kids and I'm telling you like, that's far greater than some piece of paper from some institution. You got a ministry. You, you, you know, my wife, she's constantly counseling, you know, women and and just pouring into women, and and and, she, and I just I'm thankful that she's allowing God to still direct her life. But I want to just point to God in everything. I know it's Him who's directing us, and and when you you delight in Him, when you love Him, when you're seeking Him, when your uh, when your ear is open to His voice, oh, He will direct you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And listen to this. And he delights in his way. God delights in the righteous man who who loves him, who listens to his word, who obeys him. I'm telling you, God delights in that type of person. I don't know about you. I want, I desire most that God delights in me, that he knows that I love him, that I'm loyal to him, and and that uh, when he says go, I will go. And that's what pleases God. You know, a lot of people get it mixed up. They think God is pleased by your Bible knowledge. Not really. God isn't pleased by what you know. He's, he's pleased, I truly believe, by obedience. Faithfulness to Him. Do you walk with the Lord? Is He not just your Savior, but the Lord of your life? The Lord of your finances? The Lord of your family? The Lord of... Everything in your life is He Lord. I think during the singing services of most churches, 
is where most of the lies of the week are said. <laughs> Lord, I surrender. All. Yeah, right. Let's be honest. <laughs> God, you can have this, but not this. But God delights in those who love Him. I was, uh, I, I had the opportunity to coach my, my uh, son Elijah's team. He's four. And, uh, I have a connection with the, with the, the with the city of Lancaster, a friend of mine. He, he, he made an exception so that Elijah could play with the five and six year olds. And, uh, he's always just been just naturally athletic, this one. And, um, anyways, he's playing on the team and, and he's, he's just growing. He's just naturally, like, he can shoot. He already has the form and the follow through at four years old. And, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, his grandmother came, his grandma, grandma came to see him play, right? And I'll tell you, this boy showed out for his grandma. He, he was getting steals. He was, he was, uh, bumping to get a shot. I mean, like, he was doing things I've never seen. He's, and he's like one of the youngest in the league. And I think he had like four baskets. And, and let me tell you, I'm over on the sideline and I delighted in every moment. I, I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't hide it, right? And, uh, I delighted in what he was doing on that court. And I just, you know, I was thinking about that, you know, when God sees you praying, when He sees you being a witness for Him, when He sees you loving Him and, and worshiping Him and loving your family and teaching your kids and getting up and going to work and providing for your family and, and doing the things that God has called you to do, I, I truly believe He's in heaven and He smiles down in delight. And I don't want to tell somebody tonight, keep doing what God has called you to do. God delights in the righteous. But not only are we guided by God, that's one of the benefits of being in Him, but we're guarded from failure. I want you to see verse 24. The Bible says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Ooh, this just hit me. It says, Though we fall, though we, we, we may fail at times, failure for the righteous is not the end. Failure isn't final. I'm telling you, tonight, maybe you have stumbled and, and fallen for a season, but I want to encourage you to get up. God isn't done writing your story. He's not done using you. Oh, take it from someone who has failed, who should not even be in the ministry. I'm telling you, tell uh, that God isn't done with you. Even your failures, God will use, and He will build you back, and He'll take you and put you in a place where He will use you if you go back. The Bible says the just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. I'm telling you, get back up tonight if you've fallen. He will not be utterly cast down. We're all going to fall. David was very familiar with failure. But God didn't cast him off. God showed David grace. Now, were there consequences for David's sin? Yes. Lasting consequences. If I took a nail and I started to hammer it into this pulpit tonight, when I take, when I would remove that nail, there would be a hole there, right? There would be damage there. And I'm telling you, this is sin. This is similar with sin. When we get caught into sin and we fall, 
there's consequences. But I want to tell you as a Christian, hey, it isn't the end. It, failure is not final for a Christian. You may be cast down tonight, but you you won't stay there if you allow God to do His work in your life. And I'm looking out on this crowd and I see testimonies of that tonight. How many of us can say, I'm one of those testimonies? <laughs> I think every one of us can put our hands up. By the grace of God, we are still in it. By the grace of God, we're still married. By the grace of God, we're still serving Him. And it's because of His grace. It's one of the benefits of being in Him. It says, the rest of that verse, For the Lord upholds Him with His hand. He will uphold you when you have no strength. When you're destitute. When you feel like you just you, you failed Him for the final... No, I'm telling you, He will uphold you with His strong hand. And, and I want you to just get that picture tonight that even when you feel like you can't take another step, God will uphold you. Wait on Him, as we heard last week, those that wait on Him and, and those who depend on Him, like a little child depends on their, their parents. I'm telling you, you will find Him to be everything that you need. You'll find the strength in Him to to get it back up again. And I want to encourage you with that tonight. Let's go to the next slide. I want you to see the next verse. David's, King David is going to now declare, he's going to give this declaration of God's faithfulness. He says this, I have been young, and I am now, and I'm old. <laughs> Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. I want you to just hear David's observation. He said, I've been young. So this is obviously written towards the end of David's life. He is now old. And uh, he had, of course, over time, over decades more than likely, observed the righteous and also the wicked. He had personally seeing how God had never forsaken the righteous. You know, we've all been through difficulty in our lives. And we've been through tough seasons. But none of us in here tonight could ever say that God has forsaken us. God has left us and, and not shown us. I, I know people in here, you, you, you lost a spouse. And I know people in here uh, who have gone through the death of a child. I know people in here who have gone through some of the most uh, painful things that a person, a human, can ever endure. And even in the depth of sorrow and grief, I'm telling you, God was even there. God gave grace. He didn't leave you there. He, he walked with you through it. And He will do the same. He is a faithful God. Aren't you thankful for Him tonight? He'll never forsake us. Oh, man. I get emotional. Our God, He's so, He's so 
awesome. He is beyond what we could comprehend. And this is what David was saying. He was testifying from his personal testimony. God had been faithful to him. He had been through so much in his life. He had been on the run and he had done nothing wrong and he had to pretend to be uh, mentally ill at one point. He had to eat bread that was, you know, in the temp- in the tabernacle. I mean, he went through a lot of things and I talked about this on Sunday or last Sunday how us being in Christ does not uh, remove trials in our lives, but I'm telling you, we get to go through it with Him. He, he won't forsake us. David says, he says, not only will not forsake us, but those in our family, our descendants, the next generations won't be bread, won't beg bread. David said, I've seen how he's taking care of the children of the of the righteous. There's a story in the Bible. David, of course, had a close friendship with Jonathan. And Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. You guys ever hear that story in the Old Testament? And one day David was sitting at his table and he asked his servant Zuba, is there any from the line of Jonathan, my, my brother who I loved, and he said, there's just but one, and he's an invalid. He had gotten crippled. On the day that Jonathan and Saul died, uh, his nurse had picked up Mephibosheth and was running with him and fell on him as a child. And he was, of course, crippled from that point. But I want you to know, David said, hey, I want you to go and get Mephibosheth, and he will eat from my table all the days of his life, and his house shall be free. And here was this cripple who, who sat at the king's table and he ate from the king's portion for all of his life and he was blessed. And I'm telling you, you and I, we're Mephibosheth. I'm telling you, we were sinners, destitute from God, separated from God, unable to do anything of our own. And he sent his son Jesus, the king, to come to us. He came to where we were. He died on the cross for our sin. He rose from the grave three days later. And now we sit as, as righteous before him. We are sons and daughters of the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And tonight, if you can't get excited about anything else, get excited about that. Oh, boy. Thank you, Jesus. Can I be transparent? I didn't want to preach tonight. (laughs) I was hoping pastor would preach in here and, and bring the teens in. That was my flesh. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) He said, I've been young, I've been old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful, and he lends, and his descendants are blessed. I claim this promise over over my children and my children's children. And, and I, I truly believe that God, he, He's going to provide for our children in a famine. He's going to provide for us when, when I think uh, there's no way. He's going to, He's going to dress a table for us in the wilderness. He's going to rain manna down from heaven. He's going to do things that's going to blow our minds. And I know things are getting more difficult, 
but part of me is excited because, hey, we get to have our uh, our faith tested. We get to see what God is going to do. He shows up when it seemingly is impossible circumstances we're facing. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time for this generation to see a move of God. To see the power of God. David had seen the hand of God over his life. This is why he could declare this. This is why he could he could share this with us. And but I want you to know David understood a few angles of 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 course God and how he worked and how so one of the way that God provides for the righteous and their descendants is through the the ethic of hard work that Christians have practiced. Right. The Bible says that whatever our hand finds to do, that we should do it heartily unto the Lord. And I'm telling some of you, I was talking with uh, Susie and she was sharing a testimony tonight uh, about her husband and his hard work, Jason. And uh, she said, I can't remember a time when Jason called in sick to work. She said there was times when he'd be so sick, he'd still be on the tractor and he had to stop and just relieve himself. And that testimony, he says, now there, there's a whole generation of, of young men who, uh, you know, they, he's in construction and they have to hire laborers. And and she told me that they make some of them like $40, $42 an hour. And they don't want to show up to work. They'll do it for a few weeks and then, then they can't be found. And they're all on their phones and they're all distracted. And, and you know, this is not good. You see, easy times make weak men. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing a whole generation coming up that think that they're all going to be YouTube famous and make money while sitting in their pajamas and or they're going to come up in the crypto market or something get rich fast scheme and truthfully, what we as men, what we should model in our homes is hard work. We should show our kids the value of a dollar and how to work hard. And, and um, I'm so proud. I'm going to brag on my daughter, Layla. Um, this time of year is very busy for her. She's got a little baking business. And, um, you know, she gets orders. And, you know, she literally, I think the last two days, she's worked 12 hours each day at least. And uh, she didn't. She hasn't complained one time, and she's just working away. And and I told her, you know, as I left today, I was like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that you're you're, you're in, embracing hard work. And truthful uh, truth is that we all should be hard workers, and we should be the best in our positions at work, and we should show up early and stay late if necessary. I'm not. I know some of you, you're workaholics, and that's not good either. So I'm gonna. You need to be balanced. But I'm telling you, some of you on the other end of that, uh, I, I want to encourage you from the Word of God. Hey, you're you're building a legacy. You you may be uh, building up something that's gonna sustain your kids. And and I'm telling you, you have to be diligent. You have to honor God in your work. I'm telling you, you're not there working for that manager. You represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
I want to encourage us all with that. And it says that our God, verse 26, He is ever merciful. He, and He lends. And this is speaking of, of in times of scarcity. That God will use the righteous, I believe. He, he will use us to be His provision for people. What did He do with Joseph, right? And I'm telling you, this is why the Bible says that at, at, that we should we should lead in generosity. We should when there's there's people in need around us, we should be working and being good stewards so that we can meet those needs and and uh, we can lend and we can help to meet the needs of others. And I want to encourage us. The times are really coming, guys, where we're going to have to put our money where our mouth is and put our time and our talent where our mouth is because uh, things are going to get hard here pretty soon. I really sense that. And so, the king's declaration, he said, I've been young, I've been old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed out begging bread. And he says that the their descendants will be blessed after them. They're blessed. And I'm thankful for this truth, and we can claim on that. But let's go to the next slide. So it says in verse 27, it says, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. So now David, he, he shared his testimony of God and his goodness, but now he's going to turn to to us, the audience, the, the righteous, and he's going to give us some instruction. He's going to say, depart from evil and do good. I want you to see God cares about our morality. He cares about our integrity. He cares about how you and I live in the world. Let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. He, he cares about us doing good. He cares about us uh, representing Him in a way that brings Him glory. It should not be said of a Christian that uh, we are involved in evil enterprises or that we aren't doing good in the world. But honestly, throughout history, you'll see it where there are charity hospitals being built. You'll find Christians behind it. When you see uh, you know, food and, and most um, food banks and, and, and shelters and that feed people, I'm telling you, you'll find Christians behind those and should be so. And I want to ask you, what part of, of, of our lives is doing good? What have we done in the last seven days to bless somebody? To do, like I talked about earlier, what, the, what that men's group does. And I know there's men and women in here who you go out every few weeks to feed the homeless, and I'm thankful for that. And, and I'm telling you, there, but there are many in the church who, who are just warming a pew, and that's the extent of their good of the week. And I found this to be true. I've said this before that in the church, there are usually about 20% that, that does all the work. And the other 80 are just, are just dead weight. I hate, to, I hate to say it like that, but they're just idle. And the Bible says that we should warn those who are idle, that we should encourage those who aren't serving God in some way, shape, or form, doing good in the world in the name of Jesus. We should warn them uh, of their, their, their lack of, uh, of, I, of, of serving and their laziness in that. And God, of course, He desires that we would do good, that we would depart from evil, but we should leave evil, but, and then go to doing what He would have us to do. And He says, with that, you will dwell forevermore. He'll, He'll, He'll sustain you. He'll keep you. 
He'll, he'll use your life. But I want you to see next, verse 28. For the Lord loves justice. I, I was meditating on this today. God is concerned with justice. He's concerned with things in the world that are in, unjust. And, you know, our world you know, defines justice in, in a lot of wonky different ways. You know, we know a lot of social justice warriors today who who have their lens on and they, they try to highlight one area to the negation of, of many other egregious sins that uh, aren't being dealt with. I was talking to someone today and there's every other month or every other year they're coming out with uh, a movie who uh, that from Hollywood that's highlighting you know slavery in America, right? And to me, I think it's just trying to just make the divide bigger, cause racial tension. They're talking about injustice. Correct. We we know the Bible does never in the Bible was slavery uh, accepted, and and don't let anyone lie to you about that. Okay, the Bible is very clear. Men stealers, they, they were to be killed. <laughs> God did not believe in slavery, nor did he propagate it. And, and when you see it in the Bible, it was usually servant, uh, a servant, a servant who was maybe paying off a debt. And many often in those cases, that servant will fall in love with that family and stay with them and become like a, like a son or a daughter of that family. So I want you to understand what the scripture condemns clearly that slavery, what we see um, in the Bible. But let me tell you, they come out with these movies to divide this nation even more. The enemy isn't stupid. He knows what he's doing. But you, you hear, but Hollywood is silent. You hear crickets when Balenciaga comes out with their ads promoting pedophilia. Right now. When you don't hear anything from Hollywood about human trafficking, child pornography, which is on the on the uptick, skyrocketing. You hear nothing about that. And you see there's an agenda there. And I, I want you to just, we, we're going to stay woke in this church. <laughs> we're going to keep shining the light on, on those dark crevices that the, that the world, uh, who, who's champ, supposedly championing for justice, they aren't speaking about really. But God is concerned. He's concerned with the helpless, the widow, those children who are being exploited. He's concerned with the, the drag hour at the elementary school when they're trying to groom our children. He's concerned with those things. He, he's concerned with justice. And he loves justice. He loves a, a, a God says a false balance is an abomination to him. He hates those who, who get ahead by, by scheming, by, by extortion, by robbery, by, I'm telling you, he, he is concerned with justice. He, he loves justice. And we should be concerned with justice as well. I want you to see, look at verse, verse 30. It says, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. So, what should be on our heart that will no doubt come out of our mouths is that of righteousness and justice. God is saying that those who love Him, 
Those who are, are, are His will be concerned with and they will talk of the things of justice. And, and this should be something that we are speaking of when we have opportunity to speak against the evils of our day. And I know some of you are like, well, who can I talk to? Well, you know, whomever God has put in your sphere of influence, you could be a witness for Christ, number one, and you could speak of justice and how, and you can stand for it and you could be doing something to work towards it in your life. And, and however the Lord would lead you, I would encourage you to do that. But it goes on in verse 31, it says, the law of his God is in his heart. You see, where does, where do we find the standard for justice and truth? We find the truth, right? In the law of God, in the word of God. This is the perfect law of liberty, the Bible calls itself. You see, when you put this away, see, they've tried to close this. They tried to silence God. They've removed him from schools, from government, from every public square. It's okay for a drag queen to go in and read, uh, to the kindergartners, but if I tried to go tomorrow with this book, they would not let me. And so, this is strategic. The enemy knows what he, he needs to do to destroy a nation, to destroy a generation. And so, we as God's people, we have to have the Word of God in us. We've got to have it. What does it say? Where does it say that we should have it? The law of his God is in his heart. We should memorize, we should have the word so deep in us that whatever issue comes up, what does God say about it? I had to have a conversation with my son today. He came in the room, he's eight years old. He said, hey, dad, who is it that's taking the, the rainbow and using it for their symbol? And I have to explain it to him. I have to tell him the word of God is clear about that, son. And even though they're shaking their fists in the face of God, and even though they perverted what God has has given that was pure in human sexuality and, and a man with a woman, one man, one woman for life, and that's the only relationship, son, where children come from, and that's where you came from. And, and I had to explain it to an eight-year-old. I wasn't thinking about this at eight years old. But I'm thankful that I have a standard of truth, the law of God, the Word of God, which has the answers for every question that will come our way and I just want to encourage you do you have it in your heart if someone were to ask you tomorrow at work why, why is it that you don't believe this would you be ready to give an answer I hope so people they're going to ask you the day is coming and if you're living for the Lord and, and you have that testimony when, when, when it is all unraveling in someone's life they'll come to you I promise you they will ask you, hey, why do you have this peace? Why are you smiling? We all just got, you know, 60 days left. You know, we got our severance package today. Why are you just, and you have an opportunity to tell them about the hope that lies within you, about your Savior. And, and when the issues come up, you can speak to them with grace. And, I, you know, I agree with pastor, with, you know, even right now in our country, we're so divided. And, and even those with the truth, a lot of them, they're just so filled with pride. And they, they, they just, just, mm, and God resists the proud. I'm telling you, 
when a man or a woman is filled with the Spirit of God, he, he can wield the truth in such a way. I'm telling you, this is something that God, I believe, has gifted me with. I could step on your toe and rub on your back at the same time. I can rebuke you, and you won't even know I rebuked you. <laughs> and that's what Jesus was the best at, right? He was full of grace and truth. He loved people, but he told them the truth. And it's possible to do both. It's possible to disagree with someone and not be disagreeable. Amen? The things, though, in the rest of these verses, though, they repeat what we've, we've touched on. The faithfulness of God. The, the wicked and their destruction that is soon coming. And, and David said, he said, I looked. Indeed, I sought for the wicked, but he could not be found. And, and the day is coming when God will execute judgment on, on those who do wickedness in the world. And that's why I'm not worried about those who lied to us a few years ago, who were trying to ruin this country. I'm not worried about them. I won't lose an ounce of, of peace behind them because I know my God. and He always keeps his word. And so I just want to encourage you all with that. But remember, the legacy of the righteous, are you a giver? Are you a grace extender? We've been given so much grace, we should be the, the main ones leading and giving others grace, right? Are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you uh, living to do good, to, to, to depart from evil in our life? I'm telling you, this is what the, the righteous should be known for our morality, our, our, our integrity, and our dealings in the world. And I want to encourage us with that tonight from this song.